0: rainbows high and deep touchdown wisconsin and this game is underway with a bang this is where the lacrosse area gathers to talk wisconsin sports the wisco sports show is on the air join in by phone or text at 796-2558 now here's grant bills That was one of the best high school basketball games I have ever seen or listened to. I'm hanging out in the studio uh, listening to the end of the Central-Milwaukee-Washington game. Drew Kelly did a tremendous call on the job as always. Central just coming up short and to be honest, an absolutely heartbreaking way to lose. They lose by one, 72-71 Milwaukee-Washington in overtime at the Cole Center. You just heard that game and once again, a huge shout out to Drew uh, for... For driving all over the state, for covering all of these games, it was a wild finish. And we're going to talk about it all. Uh, I don't want to just treat this as a central post-game show of sorts. We got a lot to talk about in, uh, in relation to this game. And maybe we'll be able to hook up with Drew Kelly. He's going to go talk to Coach Fergan and get questions and answers at the press conference at the Cole Center as well. But I, I want to wrap up this game. I want to talk about this game. Uh, forget it being high school. Forget, forget it being college. That was one of the best sporting events I've watched all year. Lucky enough to have it uh, both on TV here in the studio and listening to Drew Kelly on the call as well. The final sequence in overtime was wild because as I'm sitting here getting ready for the show, typing up my notes, trying to think about exactly what I want to talk about and how I want to spin it, I feel like it changed five or six times. Right? Okay, we're going to take this angle. Central did this really, really well, and this is why they won. And then and then it became, okay, well, here was the turning point in the game, whether they win or lose. And okay, well, if they lose, this is why. And then with 10 seconds left, this was the final sequence. Central was up four. Washington hits a three. So Central still has the lead by one. And assumedly would be able to hold the ball long enough to at least forcing a foul, right? David Hayden drives in, forces a shot. And I'm not here to criticize a shot by David Hayden. I... If you think you have an opportunity to bucket, always go for it. I don't care about the clock. Especially when you get down late in games, and this maybe even applies more in college when there is an actual shot clock. Well, I know we're supposed to hold the ball and run clock, but the the shot looks too good to pass up. I'm always about being aggressive. So I'm not going to live or die. I'm not going to pick apart that decision. But David Hayden isn't able to convert. Then Foster hits a jumper on the other end with 3.9 seconds to go. So Foster takes over at the end. Central I had a four-point lead and let it evaporate in the span of about 10 seconds. An absolutely heartbreaking finish. And there's a lot of different angles, a lot of different things we got to talk about with this game. It was one of the best sporting events I've seen so far this year. Forget high school, forget college, forget professional. That was a whole lot of fun, and I would love to talk about it here. At least to lead off the Wisco Sports Show, 608-796-2558. That's the five-star telecom talk and text line. You can get in touch with me there. Also being trying to be active on Twitter, both about this game and about everything going on, at KeystrokerGrant is where you can find me. You can find the rest of us at WKTY. Like I said, hopefully we'll be able to catch up with Drew Kelly. If not, uh, there is plenty, plenty to talk about today. The Badgers advanced in the Big Ten tournament. It wasn't pretty. Uh, in fact, it wasn't even it wasn't even close to pretty. I don't think you could make that uh, that mistake. But after a couple of days off, I think you'll you'll take the result either way. We're going to talk about that coming up at about five thirty. There's also some news on the Packers front and on the Brewers front. We're going to talk a little bit of everything today, but the big time story right now is Central basketball. I thought with Central being in a pretty good spot coming down the stretch, and and how many times have we seen it, both in the playoffs and in the regular season, specifically with those three on games, right? Central is comfortable playing from a point or two behind in the second half. I think they're very confident in their ability to turn it on at the right time, as most good teams are, right? They're not comfortable if they're down by a point or it's it's back and forth. They're very comfortable even at state. And, and Terrence Thompson talked about that last week. He, he feels like last year they were very talented, but they were very raw, right? This year they have the experience. They have the mental wherewithal and the composure and the attitude. Like, like everything was going their way. I think they were ready to do it this year. And they're very confident in those close game situations. Even at state. When the lights have never been brighter and all of a sudden you're on TV and there's cameras everywhere and you're playing in the Col center. I think Central still had the presence of mind to be comfortable in the second half in that close game. I thought the problem was getting closer to overtime and in the first couple of minutes of overtime they turned it around and, and we'll talk about that in a moment. I, I thought Central got very very Johnny Davis centric. And Johnny Davis had a heck of a game. I'll give you some statistics as soon as I can scrape them up. The game ended... Just ten minutes before I went on air, so I want to pass along that information to you. But they played a ton through Johnny Davis, a ton at the end of that game, and it got to the point where it, I thought it was almost two star centric. I don't want to refer to it as hero ball, but when you have a player the level of Johnny Davis in crunch time, you want that player to get touches, right? You don't want to come away from a possession with a bad shot and and, and be thinking, oh man, and Johnny didn't Johnny didn't even get get an opportunity to touch the ball, right? Man, you, Johnny didn't even get a touch. He didn't give it an opportunity. You hate that, but on the other hand, you don't want your offense to become one player and everybody else watching and waiting to see what that one player is going to do. And that and that's a balance you have to find, and that's a problem that Central has that a lot of high school teams don't have. They're a tremendous team all around, but they still have that distinctive best player, their star, the guy that they want to lean on late in the game. And I thought they reverted a little bit too much of that. And and that's not necessarily a coaching decision. I'm not saying Coach Todd Fergert, made the wrong decision in the way that he constructed the offense. I'm not blaming any particular player for, for maybe trying to feed Johnny Davis too much. That's just instinct, right? That's in, instinct in every in, at work, uh, whatever job you're doing, or at school, if you're working on a group project. When you're getting close to that deadline in basketball, you're getting close to the end of the game. It's a close game. You're going to look to your strongest member, even if the group is strong as a whole, you Before you turn that big group project in, right, before you turn that sales report in or that proposition to your boss, you want to make sure that the the, the strongest member of your group, whether that's the most senior group, person who's been there at the company the longest, maybe it's just the best member of the group. You don't want to turn that project in, right? You don't want to get to the end of the game without your best player being involved in a very, very strong way. Like if you're working on a group project, you got to turn in a big paper, a big research paper. The group might be strong. You might be really confident in the paper that you're going to turn in, but you're not going to hit submit. You're not going to hand it in to the teacher until you are confident that the best member of your group, the smartest member of your group, the most valuable member of your group has had an opportunity to look it over, right? It's the same in, it's the same in basketball. Even if the coach, Todd Ferguson, didn't specifically say, make sure we're playing through Johnny. We want Johnny to get the opportunity to close this game for us. And even if the players weren't necessarily force feeding Johnny the ball, it's just instinct. It's just what happens in sports. It's what happens in life, right? We tend to defer. To the strongest member. And I thought Central. Maybe did that to a fault. Like I said. Not the fault of anyone in specific. But I thought they were a little bit too. Johnny Davis centric. And I, and I think maybe if they just would have. Stayed calm. Ran their offense. Which I know is tough in the final two minutes. Because both teams trying to retain possession. There's no shot clock to dictate the pace. I, think, I, I thought they needed to do. Run through their whole team. Get Parcher a touch. Get Thompson a touch underneath. Maybe Jordan Davis comes clean on, on, a, on a corner three. And all of those successes of other players is going to open things up for Johnny Davis. I, I I just thought Johnny Davis, whether it was by design or just by by natural circumstances, because it's what happens in sports, it got too Johnny Davis centric. And in overtime, I, I thought you saw the inverse of that, right? When overtime started, I think Johnny or, or, or the team as a whole just decided we want to play through our best player. That's what they did. Overtime started a little bit rough. Washington had the first couple of buckets. And then as, as overtime went on, you saw Noah Parcher get some touches, Jordan Davis get some touches, and now the offense is flowing. Noah Parcher single-handedly brought his team back from that deficit in overtime with a five-point run. I'm not saying you deliberately need to pass the ball to others. I'm not saying, okay, well, we want Jordan, we want Jordan Davis to get an opportunity to shoot. We want Noah Parcher to get a spot-up opportunity, but make your offense more inclusive. Don't default to only playing through your best player. And once again, I'm not saying that that's the fault of a coach or the, uh, the the fault of a player. It's just natural instinct right And I thought that that two minutes at the end of regulation and maybe the first 45 seconds in overtime, I thought that was maybe what did Central in. We look back at, at this uh this entire game as a whole. I think there were a couple of turning points where if okay, well, if that would have gone differently, the game would have gone differently. And that's what sports is, right One bounce of a ball, you know, one inch or two inches on a home run. We're talking about a different outcome. We're talking about a change of legacy, a change season, right? So let's look at some of these moments from that game. And, and I want to hear your text and your voice on the five star telecom talking text line is all, uh, 608 796 2558. I'm trying to get statistics as they come in. Like I said, uh, the central game, uh, against Washington, uh, Milwaukee, Washington, excuse me, wrapping up just minutes before we go on air. So obviously a high school game is, is, uh, Statted a little bit differently. That information comes out a little bit slower. It's a little bit more difficult to find. So I apologize. I'm going to try to get you the numbers of uh, the leading scores in this one when we come back. Central loses in heartbreak at the state tournament at the hands of Milwaukee, Washington. And in overtime, uh, we're talking about it. What shaped the game? And what maybe, if Central could go back and do it all again, what, what were the plays that would be focused on? And what did you see watching this game on television or listening here on WKTY? I want to hear from you as well. Oh, feel for him. Feel for him. Uh, but it's a it's a great conversation, and I hope to continue. Coming up next here on the Wisco Sports Show on WKTY. This is the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. I'm your host, Grant Bills. Still trying to recover. Still trying to process the game that we just saw and the game that we just heard. From the state tournament, the Cole Center in Madison. Central losing in heartbreak in overtime to make it even worse. 72-71 to Milwaukee, Washington. I I thought Central looked healthy and in control for 85% of that game. Now now Milwaukee, Washington got really hot. They hit a lot of shots for the three-point shooters, uh, who and it's tough in high school too, but from parts of their team and from members of their team that I, I don't know if people were necessarily expecting that three-point shooting success, right? And it's tough, once again, because we don't necessarily have the statistics, the season-long team stats, to say, okay, well, this guy's a great shooter, or this guy, they, they really rely on... It's it's just tough. Milwaukee, Washington getting very hot in the second half and, and rising above eventually in overtime. I, I, I thought the most interesting period of this game, and we're continuing a conversation uh, from our first segment here on the Wisco Sports Show. By the way, you can join me on the 5-Star Telecom Talk and Text Line, 608-796-2558. I thought near the end of regulation Central became very Johnny Davis centric. And I don't know if that was the best way to go about business. And and I get it's it's you're walking a tightrope, right? Because one extreme sucks and so, and so does the other, right? You don't want to be giving shots to inferior players, maybe younger players, players who haven't been at state. Let's Johnny Davis is your best player. And you don't want to sacrifice his touches for touches for the rest of your team, right? It's not middle school or elementary school gym class where you have to pass the ball a certain amount of times before you get a shot. You know, we want to see, we want to run the offense for at least 10 seconds, set a couple of screens, get touches to different players. Well, well that goes out the window. But you, but at the same time, you don't want to become too predictable, too centered around your best player, Johnny Davis. And I, and I think Lacrosse Central did a little bit of that at the end of regulation and at the beginning of overtime, And like I said, not necessarily the fault of the coach, not necessarily the fault of the players or any player in particular. That's just human nature. You refer and you defer to those who might be stronger, who might be better than you. And I think that's just a little bit of human nature that kicked in at the end of the game. In overtime, we saw them move the ball around a little bit more and get out and run in transition and pass the ball. Uh, Jordan Davis getting away out in transition, missing the layup. Noah Parcher was right there to follow. Parcher hit a three as well. He he single-handedly engineered and scored a five-point run in overtime to bring Central back after a a, a rough opening minute or so. Johnny Davis had 31 points and played maybe the best game that I've ever seen him play. Complete game. On defense, had a couple of blocks, hit some threes, hit some jump shots, played really well in the paint. And I think as we look at this game, there's a couple of different moments, there's a couple of different things uh, to dissect and to go back at and say, okay, well, maybe if that would have gone differently, maybe if that would have changed we wouldn't be having a conversation about a loss maybe central would be playing again tomorrow 608-796-2558 is the 5 star telecom talk and text line bob says my heart goes out to the central boys Uh of hayden could have pulled it back or dumped it to the trailer hindsight is 2020 but hayden makes the layup and this game is over don't blame him people and bob and i and i appreciate you bringing that up um i am seeing on twitter and and you know texting some friends who are also watching the game talking about how the decision of david hayden to to drive where central's up one no shot clock the Red Raiders could technically stand around and hold that ball and force the opposition to foul, but I always like the attack. I if, if you can extend your lead or get another bucket, I, I would never prioritize the clock or the situation over an opportunity to score. Right. So and I'm not gonna fault David Hayden for that decision at all, nor should anyone else. Like I said, if he may if he if that layup falls, we're not even talking about that sequence at all. Right. Bob says they also let that little sophomore open uh, for too many easy looks at the three. And then, Bob, and I was just talking about that as well, I I don't know if Central was necessarily familiar with all the personnel. I I think that was somebody who probably flew under the radar in the scouting report and the walkthroughs in preparing for a unique opponent in Milwaukee, Washington. I just don't know if they were ready. 608-796-2558, you can join me there. A, A couple of moments in this game, specifically one in the second half. Central's trying to put this game away. They're up one. And they run a lob play to Johnny Davis. I actually believe at the time they were down one. It was almost the prettiest, most authoritative slam that maybe I've seen from Johnny Davis this year. Flying in, one hand cock back, and it just ba- it, hit, it hits back rim. And that's what that's what sports is. If that dunk falls, or is what Bob said on the five-star telecom talking text line, if that layup from David Hayden falls, this game is completely different. Completely different. This happens all the time in sports. Every sport. It's a game of inches. You know, baseball's a game of inches. It's a bounce of a ball in football. It's what we're talking about. If that alley-oop from Johnny Davis goes down, I think we're talking about a completely different game. I was incredibly impressed by Johnny Davis basically taking it all upon himself in the final possession, driving in and going to the line down two. I cannot even imagine the pressure being felt by Johnny Davis from fans, from teammates, from, from his coaching staff to make those two free throws. I can't even imagine that situation. So my heart goes out to him and hats off for being able to confidently go up there and, and make two free throws like it was nothing in the Cole center, no less. I think that Johnny Davis alley-oop is the play that we're going to... It's going to stick with me. Because not only is it worth two points, and I, and I like to point this out every time I can here on the Wisco Sports Show. Dunks are worth more than two points. In that situation, that gets the bench riled up. That gets the team energized. And now all of a sudden, maybe you're approaching defense a little bit differently. Maybe, and I'm not questioning the defense of either one of these teams, but it's always good to have a little bit of energy, a little bit of adrenaline, and a dunk always provides that, especially an alley-oop dunk. Oh! That shot, if that shot falls, if that sequence goes differently, I think we're talking about a different outcome. Another thing that 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 my, I immediately went to, and if you watched or listened to this game, you'll agree with this wholeheartedly, neither one of these teams really protected the defensive glass, meaning... A lot of second chance points. A lot of second chance shot opportunities were given up. Both by Central and by Milwaukee, Washington. And that's going to happen when you have big teams, right? Like Central is an incredibly long, incredibly athletic, large team. Terrence Thompson is a force underneath. We all know what Johnny Davis can do. Jordan Davis is incredibly long. And Noah Parcher is a very hard-nosed situational rebounder. He's very, very good at positioning himself. He's very, very good at timing his leaps and timing his tip-outs, even when he's trying to rebound over or from behind a much bigger body. Very good rebounding team, Central. But when you have big, tall, long, athletic players, rebounding's just going to be more difficult. With 58 seconds to go in this game, 58 seconds to go, each team had 17 offensive rebounds apiece. 17 apiece. Think of all the second chance points. Think of all the opportunities that now the team who can't control the rebound, now that opportunity has been taken away on the offensive end. Offensive rebounds are huge, and that's just that that was kind of the nature of the game. That's just kind of the the direction that this game took. Because both teams are so long, they're so big in stature and in size, and they're so athletic, even at the guard position. I'm talking about Noah Parcher and David Hayden. They're very good positional rebounders, situational rebounders. So you're going to give up some offensive boards when the teams are constructed like that. Seventeen apiece. If you could go back and maybe just pick a play or two, maybe one from the first half, one from the second half, where the ball's bouncing around, and and, and maybe a lacrosse Central Red Raider had an opportunity to grab it and just couldn't. And at the time, it's like, oh, you know, clap your hands in frustration, and you set you set your defense back up. But but those are the those are the plays in a one point overtime loss. That make the difference. That alley-oop that just wasn't quite converted because it just didn't get the f- the friendly touch on the rim for Johnny Davis. If that play goes differently, we're having it uh, having a different conversation. Man, oh man. Seventeen offensive rebounds apiece. Fifty eight seconds to go in the second half. This is when Milwaukee was up sixty to fifty nine. Seventeen apiece. And if you were watching or listening on WK two I as well, and and as a listener, you have to do a little bit more of the work, right? Thinking, what's going on? Because the TV is just presenting you with the image. When you're listening, you have to do a little bit of anticipation. You have to assume in your mind what's kind of going on. Because even as tremendous as Drew Kelly is, it's impossible to describe every little, tiny little detail. When the shot went up for Central and you you heard that it missed, you're like, okay, well, what about the offensive rebound? Because I like my odds with Jordan and Johnny Davis. I like my odds with Terrence Thompson. And like I said, Noah Parcher, very good offensive rebounding team. Let's get a second chance. Let's get another opportunity. It didn't feel like when Central missed a shot that the offensive possession was over. It was a very interesting game in that in that fashion. Where some of the some of the easiest buckets some of the best buckets for Central came off of a a, a bad bounce off the rim, pull down the rebound and go right back up with it. Right? Sometimes that's the best kind of assist. Just give a give a miss shot and a friendly and a friendly bounce and let one of your big bodies do the work underneath especially when the likes of Terrence Thompson or Johnny Davis in the paint are being fronted and they're denying that entry pass, sometimes the only way that that they can get the ball is off the glass, off the boards, right? So I'm not saying the offensive rebounding was a disadvantage for either team. I think both teams are very long, very big, so you're going to have a lot of offensive rebounds. But if you could just go back and and maybe corral one or two loose balls where you had a great shot to grab it and you just couldn't come up with it, those are the kind of plays that changed the game. That missed alley-oop, that was the kind of play that if that goes, I think we're having a different conversation. Where if David Hayden's layup with 10-ish seconds to go, if, if that goes, we're having a different conversation. Unfortunately, we're not. Central really, really impressed me in the first half and in the second half as well. We I, I thought they were going to run away with it. I'm trying to prep for my show, trying to write notes and say, okay, we got to talk about this player doing this and, and this maybe coaching change that really affect. I, I was changing back and forth and, and trying to pick all these different details. And unfortunately, Central does lose 72 to 71, so they will not be playing tomorrow. I, I was really impressed at the start of this game. Uh, let's, let's wrap up this Central talk by saying a, a couple of positive things that they did. And-, and I was really impressed because to be honest, when I talk about uh, friends who maybe work at-, at other media companies in town, whether that's CBS or ABC, which of course had the game today, who have covered and-, and-, and gone and videoed highlights and interviewed players from Central and Coach Fergett, you know, there wasn't a lot of hope. I, I, I talked to some friends uh, who work over at CBS, and they're like, man, I, I don't think Central's going to make it through Milwaukee-Washington. Really not even talking like they had a chance, right? I, I, and I was blown away at this game, because I really didn't have a conception. I don't, I'm not familiar with Milwaukee-Washington. So I was incredibly impressed. Something that Central does so well is bringing all of their members on offense, all their players, out near half court. Space that defense as far out as possible. That means Noah Parcher and David Hayden damn near playing with their heels on the the timeline. All the way back out near the logo. Terrence Thompson, very comfortable handling the ball at the top of the key. Which now opens things up for Johnny underneath. And Jordan Davis is all of a sudden setting up on the wings. The defense creeps up, 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 up. And now all of a sudden that back cut is wide open. That back door cut is wide open for a layup. Wide open for a dunk. That flex cut coming corner to corner for maybe Jordan or Johnny Davis is wide open on the on the block and they have great touch on the reverse. A lot of points coming that way and it's very similar in football, right? Where defense is going to creep up, 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 up. We're going to run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, keep the defense right here. And now all of a sudden, let's sneak behind for a big play. Central did that so well today. I thought they had an excellent game plan. An excellent game plan. And I heard uh, one of the television commenters before I got down here to work say, that's what Coach Fergit loves to do. That's what the Red Raiders love to do. Raise them high, attack them low. Wow, that's brilliant. And that allowed them uh, to have a lot of success in the first half and in the second half as well, but the the scoring just slowed down in the second half. I thought these teams really locked in on defense, tried to lock in more on the glass. I'm I'm excited talking about this game. Unfortunately, Central couldn't come out on the winning side. Johnny Davis, 31 points, and he looked just distraught after the game. It's tough in high school sports. It's, it's, It's really, really tough, and we had a gem of a game today. Very, very lucky. And I hope Central has another opportunity next year. So it'll be Milwaukee, Washington, and Nicolay tomorrow instead of Central. Uh, and, and look, a couple times throughout this game, I was like, Central's got this. They're going to do it. They're going to go. Back and forth. Great game. Great game. I want to talk about another game that was played today. Unfortunately, it wasn't as pretty. But I'll take the outcome given the circumstances before you you consider me a Badger hater or a complainer or a whiner given today's circumstances. So allow me to put some context. Allow me to put some background. I'm okay with the result. It wasn't a beautiful game. We'll talk about that. Also some news on the Packers front and news uh, on the Brewers front as well. We'll talk about that as we wrap up the week here on the Wisco Sports Show on WKTY. <laughs> Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. I'm your host Grant Bills, both at 96.7 FM and 580 AM. Always streaming live on our mobile app and at WKTYSports.com as well. Thanks for tuning in. I'm just getting over the Central loss. I know we have listeners who are as well. Let's let's put a cap on the Lacrosse Central talk by saying uh, I'm just going to read this text that I received on the Five Star Telecom Talking Text Line. They said they played their hearts out and could have won. They have nothing to be ashamed of. Our community is proud of them. Bless their hearts. I love that. Appreciate the text. And I think that's where we should leave it for today. I know we're going to have to talk about this probably into next week as well. And, and Drew Kelly, who is down in Madison calling the game, is going to speak with coach Todd Fergett. and, and we'll kind of put a cap on their season next week. But uh, until then, a 72 71 overtime loss is a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot to process. It's an exhausting sport to watch it as, as it is basketball. Especially when it's that close and it's a back and forth. It takes it. I, I feel like I worked out. <laughs> I feel like I went for a run. I feel like I just climbed up a big hill. 608-796-2558 is the five-star telecom talking text line. Let's talk about the other uh, basketball game that was played today. That was the first game for the Badgers of the Big Ten tournament. They beat the the Cornhuskers of Nebraska. 66-62 is the final. It, it was very close uh, for most of the game. Badgers got off to a great start. And I'm watching this game. I'm saying, man, where, is this, where the hell has this been? This, is, this team's moving the ball. They're running in transition. They have players who are attacking and playing aggressive, which isn't always the case on offense. And then they got kind of bogged down. A lot of turnovers today. Oh my God. I, I, I can't even put a number on it. Let me check the team stats really quick. How many turnovers it actually was. 17 for the Badgers. 10 for the Huskers as well. So it's not like it was a pretty all-around game. But the big thing about the Big Ten tournament is, right, Nebraska's played the last couple of games. Badgers have had how many days off? Nebraska got hot, hot, hot. They're playing well. But at some point, you're playing this many games in this many days. Your legs start to give out, start to get tired. And I think the Badgers, over the course of the game, were just expecting that attrition to set in. That may or may not be what happened. I don't know. But we can only draw conclusions based on the circumstances. And that's what I want to talk about. The circumstances. I'm happy that the Badgers won today. And I'm not that upset the, with the way that it happened. Pretty ugly. I was pretty nervous through a lot of the game. Especially after like the, the first five or six minutes. But given the circumstances, the Badgers are a little rusty. They haven't played. Ethan Happ had a had a very poor game. For those of you who are locked in on Central and not watching, Ethan Happ only had four points. He did have seven boards and four assists, but Ethan Happ barely did anything today. Aleem Ford actually had 11 points, which was beautiful. I want to talk about him in a little bit. Nate Reavers was their leading scorer with 14, along with Khalil Iverson, who has now turned into an aggressive offensive player, which I love. Give me more of that. Give me more of Khalil Iverson attacking the rim and being athletic. And shooting the ball off jump shots as well, which is, which is brand new to me. 66-62, given the circumstances. Haven't played in a couple of days. Ethan Happ had a bad day. You're still able to win and move on. And, and really they survive in advance. That's the thought process, right? That's the old mantra. I think it holds true today. Couple things that worry me. Couple things that, that give me reluctance to be confident in the Badgers, not only in the rest of the Big 10 tournament, but the big show in March Madness as well. I, I after watching today, I, I don't love the I don't love the Badgers backcourt. I don't love Brad Davison. I don't love Demetric Trice. And, and I thought when the Badgers were faced with a lot of hands-on pressure, whether it was full court or, or just extended defense up near half court, so they're they're having to work harder. They're having to protect the ball a little bit more in their half court offense. I I, I just thought specifically Brad Davison and Khalil, or Khalil Iverson, Demetric Trice today had a really difficult job avoiding turnovers. Nebraska had a lot of points on the fast break. They got out and run uh, in transition a lot. Ugly turnovers. I mean, when you have 17 of them, they're coming from everywhere. Don't get me wrong. But the, the offense is organized, it's initiated, and it's ran through the point guards. Brad Davison and Demetrius Trice are, are basically the same player. So we'll just refer to the backcourt as a whole. I I, I don't know. When Demetrius Trice gets hot, he's a good player. And he has a knack for being very confident and for the most part, deserving of that confidence. Especially late in games. He likes to take the big shot. And a lot of times. He, he makes those big shots. I, I don't know what Brad Davison is. He's not a great slasher. He's too small to really do a lot of damage in the paint. He's not a great shooter off the dribble. He went one of five today. For me on the three point line. Two of ten as a whole. I, I What is what is Brad Davison? I, I know we focus on his character. And we focus on the player on the team that he is. If you've listened to the show before. I'm, I'm not a huge fan of. Loving players specifically because they're a great locker room guy. And from everything that we know, Brad Davison is is puts his heart and soul into the game. Loves the game of basketball. Loves his teammates. I'm not sure as of right now, and, and the Badgers have no one better. I'm not sure as of right now what Brad Davison's role is on this team. Because as a member of the backcourt, and you can use Noah Parcher and David Hayden as, as examples from Central... One of your biggest roles, if you are not the primary ball handler, which for the most part, Brad Davison isn't. He plays a little bit of point guard. He, he runs the offense at times, and things flow through him at times. But a lot of times, you are, you are a spot-up shooter, right? Especially if your best player is Ethan Happ, who's a center. That defense is going to double-triple-team collapse on him all the time, as we saw today. One of your biggest roles as a guard, as a member of the Wisconsin backcourt, is to be able to catch and shoot open threes when defense leaves you to double-team somewhere else, whether that's most likely Ethan Happ underneath. Now, if I'm picking a Badger to be sitting on the three-point line that i got to kick the ball to, Brad Davison is near the top. I'd, I'd have Nate Reavers. I'd have Demetri Trice. I'd have Aleem Ford after today. I'd even have Brevin Pritzel, although I, I, I'm i just left disappointed with his shooting at times. Brad Davison is not a great catch-and-shoot guy. He's not great at creating his own shot off the dribble. He'll hit him every once in a while, and he doesn't lack confidence, which is something you need. I, I just don't know what he does to take this Badgers team to the next level in terms of statistics. In terms of X's and O's, I, I don't know. I looked at that backcourt today, and I, they they were a mess. When the ball is turned over, that's a result of poor organization, poor communication, poor execution, and it starts with the point guard. It starts in the backcourt before the ball ever has a chance to, to reach into the paint. With your center, with your, your point forward like Khalil Iverson, the ball and the offense starts in the backcourt. And if that backcourt isn't playing well, you're gonna have a lot of turnovers. That's what happened today. Even if all the turnovers weren't assigned into the backcourt and into those guards, that's eventually that, that's ultimately where it starts, right? Another thing that bugged me is, is you heard the announcers, and, and rightfully so, talking about, well, the Badgers, they got tired legs, you know, they, they or not the Badgers, the Huskers have tired legs. They they've been playing the last couple of days. And then on the Badgers have well, the Badgers are rusty. You know, they haven't played in a couple of days. One of my biggest problems, one of my biggest frustrations with the Badgers is is they don't adjust their game plan. They don't adjust the way that they play and the types of things that they run based on the situation. Nebraska probably had to design a, a an altered game plan today given the fact that they've been playing the last couple of days and they're going against the fresher Wisconsin team. And it worked really well. Nebraska almost won today. On the Wisconsin side, same thing. Same offense. Same slow pace. Kind of a reluctance to get out and run and transition at times. If you're the fresh team, Greg Gard has to say, okay, we're more energetic, we have better legs, we have fresher legs, we're less banged up, we're fresher, we've only been able to focus on Nebraska, we would have extra time. Okay, what's the game plan we can put together that makes this situation advantageous for us? Because in a vacuum, if you have two teams, one is tired, one hasn't played in three days, and the other one is rusty and, and hasn't been playing the last couple of days. There's really no, there's no huge advantage there. Both teams are at some type of disadvantage. Both teams are at some type of advantage. It's everything else going on around it. What's the type of game plan that the coach draws up to? All right, well, we're going to be tired. We're going to have to play a little bit differently. Or on the other hand, Greg Gard. Okay, we're rusty. Let's run some of these things early on to try to shake that rust off. So we're ready to go in the second half. Like, I, Being fresh or being rusty in and of itself does nothing for me. How do you adjust to it? How do you use things to your advantage? How do you use those factors to your advantage? Because that's what coaching is, right? Taking the players that you have, taking the situation that's in front of you, taking the matchup that's in front of you, and putting your team in the best position to win. Yeah, the Badgers were well-rested. I don't know that they used that to their advantage a damn bit today. Because they let Nebraska get in the paint, your jump jump shot starts to go and your legs start to go. And they let Nebraska drive. They let Nebraska attack for a a good portion of this game. They weren't forcing jump shots. So I, I I don't know. The factors and the context of a game is only as good and only as advantageous as the head coach makes it. That's what it comes down to, plain and simple. I'm not mad about the win for Wisconsin today. 66-62 over a hot Nebraska team when you've been rusty and you haven't played in a couple of days yet. Yeah, I'll, I'll take it. It's a conference tournament win. 100%. I'm not upset about it. But there are some things that give me concern moving forward. They're going to have to have better backcourt play. Now, Ethan Happ can't lay another egg tomorrow. Well, that's just a given, right? And Greg Gard and this team have to adjust and tweak here and there so the situation that they are playing in is advantageous to them. It's not enough to just say, we're better rested. We've had three days to prepare for Nebraska. They haven't. Go out and play. That doesn't help your players. That doesn't help the situation. What are you going to design? How are you going to mold your game plan to fit the circumstances so it's advantageous to you. I, I I just thought they just sleepwalked in today and expected, because they were rested, because they're the better seed, because they're the better team, that they were just going to easily walk out of there with a win, and that couldn't be further from the truth in the Big Ten tournament. I'll take it. Take it every day of the week, but as, as I look forward, it doesn't give me any more confidence, that's for sure. 608 I want to transition to this. By the way, coming up in about five minutes, we're going to talk some of these new MLB rules uh, as they pertain to the Brewers. Because that news dropped this week. Uh, the Packers re-signed Mercedes Lewis to a one-year deal. I wanted to talk about this a little bit today. And Central's kind of driving the conversation. Badgers got a big win. Uh, the final score is good. I'll take the win. I do have some concern about the win. And one of the things that I love most about this week is, is the re-signing of Mercedes Lewis. Actually, I want to transition to that. If you want something to change, you need to commit. right? We we talked about this with Adrian Amos. And Zadarius Smith. If you want something to change, you have to to commit. If you want your defense to be better at tackling, you need to draft better tacklers. You need to bring in better tacklers in free agency. You need to trade for players who are good natural tacklers. There's great players in the NFL. Great players who, who aren't great tacklers. Historically, that's been the case. Deion Sanders is probably the best example. If the Packers defense, and they want to improve the tackling on that defense, then they need to go out and get players who are better at tackling. If they want to stay healthier, if they want to put fewer guys on injured reserve, and have fewer guys on the injury report every week, then bring in players and prioritize players who've had good, clean bills of health in the past. Example, they brought in Zadarius Smith, they brought in Adrian Amos, and they brought in Preston Smith, all of which have missed minimal game time in their, their young careers. If you want something to change, you need to commit to it. If you want your team to be better blocking in the run game, which is something that Mike McCarthy said, And something Matt LaFleur has now said as well. We want to get better in the running game. We want to do different things and really utilize our running game. Well, if you want to get better at blocking, don't talk about it. Commit to it. They brought back Mercedes Lewis. I, I, I thought he was woefully underused by Mike McCarthy last year. I would have loved to see, minus Lance Kendricks, even minus some Jimmy Graham, make Mercedes Lewis an important part of your game plan, an important part of your team. Now, if they do that this year, and he doesn't play well, and he's too old, he's washed, okay, that's fine. But if you want to get better in the running game, you want to be better at blocking in the running game because you really haven't prioritized that on your offensive line. They have a great offensive line for this situation. David Bakhtiari, one of the, if not the best pass-blocking left tackle in the NFL. But they're not road graders. They're athletes who can move around, play different positions, shift to the pocket when Aaron Rodgers wants to run. And you have built your offensive line and committed to pass protection, which is great. I'm not faulting you for that. But if you want your run blocking to get better, if you want to have a more successful, more diverse running game, then you need to commit to it. And bringing Dak, uh, uh, not Lance Kendricks, but Mercedes Lewis is a right step in the right direction. Don't talk about it. Don't say, well, we got to work on tackling in the week. Go out and get tacklers. We need to work on our blocking. We need to make sure we're crisper. Then don't talk about it. Go out and re-sign a guy like Mercedes Lewis who's going to improve your run blocking. It's easy. If you want something to change, you need to commit to it. The MLB, for whatever reason, wants things to change, and apparently they are willing to commit to it. This was a funny conversation two months ago, and I had to read this crap yesterday, and unfortunately, because of yesterday's Brewer game, we didn't get a chance to talk about it. The MLB is instituting some new rule changes, not all going into effect for this year, but coming up in the near future. I think they're all a joke, and I thought, why not some good comedy? Why not some good entertainment uh, to wrap up the show this week, even after, and much needed after that central heartbreaking loss in state at-state to uh, to Milwaukee, Washington. So I want to talk about that. MLB is doing themselves in, in my opinion. We'll talk about it coming up next. Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. I'm your host, Grant Bills. Thanks for hopping aboard. Thanks for tuning in. Excited about the weekend, obviously. This kind of put a damper on my week. <laughs> I guess it really doesn't affect me personally. It doesn't affect my life, but it affects my work. It affects my job. It affects my team, the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, the MLB continues to seek new viewership and new fandom and new audiences. I-, I-, I don't know if that audience is out there. I don't know if that fan base is out there. I don't know if what they're looking for is out there. They announced earlier this week that they're going to add some rule changes. And I was planning on talking about this yesterday. Then I remembered we got the Brewers on Thursday. And like I said, and I have said the last couple of weeks, anytime we get a chance to listen to Bob Uecker and Brewers Baseball in March, I will happily step aside. Because it's something we've needed, especially with this god-awful weather. So we got moved back to today. By the way, we talked a lot about Central. We talked about Wisconsin and Green Bay today. A lot of ground was covered. And you can find the podcast shortly after the conclusion of my show at WKTYSports.com. Let's just run down some of these rules, uh, and we can react to them, we can discuss them, uh, and you can join in as well at 608-796-2558. So, okay, beginning in 2020, this is the first stipulation, so not all these rules are kicking in at the same time, they're not all regarding the same portion of the MLB, for lack of a better term, so we're kind of all over the place, let's just start at the top. Pitchers will be required to face a minimum of three batters in a game, beginning in 2020. This is what was rumored, right? And everybody was kind of like, what the hell? Why would we do that? I, I don't know if this rule is going gonna, is gonna to have the desired effect. And I've said on this show multiple times, especially in the case of Brewers, I don't think one man specialists exist that much anymore. Like, And the two examples I always use is Cameron Lowe and Mitch Stetter. Cameron Lowe was a single sinker baller. He didn't do anything really great except for that. So, guys on, there's a jam. Let's bring him in, see if we can't get a double play. If he doesn't get a double play, we're, we're moving on. Mitch Stetter was the left-handed specialist, right? He's not pitching against a righty. Why would he come in to pitch against a righty? That would be dumb. I don't think those guys exist anymore. I think the MLB is trying to wage war on an opponent that does not exist with this rule. I don't really know what the end goal is either. Is this based on pace of play? It, it, that, that has to be it, right? They're just looking at shortening the game. So if you were pitching changes, three batter minimum, that, that that's the only motivation, right? But what happens when a guy comes in and he gets shelled? Say he gives up two straight home runs and he's shook. The MLB, I can't imagine, is saying, well, nope, got to keep him out there. That's the spirit of the rule. You come into the game, you have to face three batter. I, like, I think what the MLB is trying to get rid of is one guy comes in to face a righty, strikes him out or doesn't, and then the next batter comes up, all right, let's bring in another guy to, to face the lefty or face the next hitter. And I don't think that exists that much anymore. It certainly is more common in playoff, or playoff baseball where everything means more. But by the time we're in the playoffs, who cares how long the games are? I, I, I think they're waging war on an opponent and they're trying to solve a problem that does not exist. Plus, I think pitchers would just be like, hey, my hammy hurts. I got to leave. Pfft. What do you want to do? Rule number two, there will be a single July 31st trade deadline starting this season with teams prohibited from making any type of trade after that date. I don't think this is a huge deal. I actually don't mind this because I think it makes the already complicated game of baseball in relation to its minor leagues. I think it makes it simpler. All right, well, here's the trade deadline. Here's the waiver trade deadline. I think if you put it all in one day, it's a little bit easier for fans to digest. I wish it was later on in the season. July 31st is pretty early to me. Move it back a week or two. Put it into August. Put it into August. But I think overall, not a bad rule. Once again, I don't know if it's necessary, but it does make the complicated system of baseball just a little bit bit easier to understand. Mound visits will be reduced from six to five games beginning this year, and perhaps reduced to four visits in 2020. Oh my God, thank God. Thank God that now we can only have five mound visits. I cannot tell you how many times. I was watching a Brewer game last year. Manager comes out and I'm like, oh God, here we go. Like man, it's six six is too many. Five, you gotta cut it off at five. Mound visits. Once again, you're trying to solve an issue that doesn't exist. You're fighting battle. You're doing war against an opponent that doesn't exist. Nobody at Miller Park is complaining that Craig Council's got to go out and talk to his pitcher or make a pitching change. Like, oh, how many mound visits left? Oh, okay, we gotta write this down. How many? How many do they have left? Oh, I don't know. Nobody cares about the mound visits. It's a part of the game that I do, I could not give less of a you know what about. I don't care. Good, all right. One less mound visit. That'll speed. Once again, I think geared towards improving pace of play. That must be it, right? Unless they just hate mound visits for some reason. There will be an all-star election day starting this summer where fans can determine the starting players in the all-star game with 24-hour voting. Okay. If you want to make it simpler for fans, I'm always about that. That's fine. I guess it doesn't really affect me. I don't know why that rule is necessary, but maybe makes things a little bit easier for the fans. The Home Run Derby champion uh, will get a million dollars now. Huh. Alright, I guess whatever. <laughs> doesn't affect me. Commercial breaks during innings will be shortened by 20 seconds to 2 minutes instead of 2 minutes and 20 seconds. So once again, trying to speed up the game a little bit, I guess. Position players will be prohibited from pitching in games that don't go into extra innings. Unless a team is ahead or behind by at least eight runs. Is that really a problem that needed to be solved? How many four-run games last year were were having position players pitch? Like, once again, I think you're trying to erase a problem that doesn't exist. I don't know. The minimum time a player spends on the injured list will be increased back to 15 days from 10. Good. Because when I go to Brewer games, I want to see as little of Ryan Braun as possible. I want to see as little of Christian Yelich as possible. Does baseball not understand that the NBA and the NFL are doing excellent because they manage to get their stars in the spotlight and showcase their stars, which are the moneymakers? People don't know who Mike Trout is, and that's going to be even harder if he's forced to spend an an unnecessary five extra days on the injured list or the disabled list or whatever the hell they want to call it now. Why is this good for fans? You're trying to please the fans with the pace of play to an obnoxious level. And you're trying to make it simpler for them to understand in terms of all-star voting and the trade deadlines. Then why do you go back on yourself? You contradict yourself and you're like, all right, fans, screw it. Even if your guy's healthy, you got to wait five days. So if you get tickets in July and Ryan Braun tweaks a thumb 11 games beforehand and he's absolutely ready to come back, sorry, he's still got to wait four extra days for really no reason. And finally... Beginning in 2020, all teams will have a 28-man roster in the final month of September after having a 26-man roster the first five months of the season. All right, so you want to make the roster bigger, but you want to make it harder for those players to play because the injured list is longer and all the pitchers have to face a minimum amount of batter. Okay, once again, contradicting yourself, MLB. Looking to solve problems that don't exist. Cater to the fan base you have. I love the Brewers. I love watching the Brewers. Nothing is wrong with baseball. Mound visits do not keep me up at night. Pitchers only pitching to one batter does not keep me up at night. Stop chasing this mythical audience, this mythical fan base that doesn't exist at the expense of the fan base that already does exist and actually really likes the product. It's a pastime. It's not a sport, it's a pastime. That's why you listen to it while you're mowing lawn or working in the garage. We gotta continue this conversation next week, but we are out of time. I'm hopping on Facebook Live. Find us at WK2I to talk Central Basketball. If I don't talk to you there, have a wonderful weekend. I'll talk to you Monday.